and so we're now recording. Um, awesome. You want to set the scene for us? You want to set the I stage? I will. Uh, so wel- welcome, everyone, to the first Causal Islands podcast. Um, I think that's still the word that we're calling these things. Uh, we thought since we had this uh, Causal Islands Discord uh, that we'd use some of these features, uh, also inspired by the Oxide and Friends talks. Um, I used to host uh, Fission Tech Talks on a pretty regular basis, usually with Zoom a couple of years back. And we've actually really switched to doing a lot of like working group meetings around the various technologies we work on. And so we thought we'd bring back some of our more general tech talks and an excuse to bring some fun people we like talking to uh, and try out this new format. Um, So usually myself and Zishan will be the hosts, but generally we have this and we'd love to host more people uh, talking about future of computing and local first software and the kind of stuff that we like to talk about. Anything you want to add, Zishan? No, I think that uh, that's everything. Um, uh, you know, obviously this first one, uh, we're here because we're kind of revisiting the past, uh, the very recent past, the Cosmo Islands, right? Um, the conference. Um, I'm guessing most people were involved or heard it or read about it. And obviously we have a few speakers from that conference here today. But uh, yeah, no, no, nothing else otherwise. Uh, other than like, yeah, Cosmo Islands today and, you know, a big question mark for more cool futuristic programming things uh, in future podcasts. So we're, we're just barely, uh, I guess, almost three months out from Causal Islands. Um, Michael, Chia, and Quinn are joining us as uh, speakers for our inaugural Causal Islands. Uh, I am going to go in alphabetical order. Chia, I'd love you to introduce yourself, uh, tell us where in the world you are now, um, and uh, maybe a little bit about the talk that you gave and how you feel about it three months later. That's a lot, I know. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Chia. I'm an internet artist. Um, my day job is that I work as a product designer at Figma, and I'm currently calling in from the Bay Area, um, in San Francisco specifically. And... Yeah, a few months ago, I gave this remote talk called The Creation Myths of Computing, which was maybe our talk, but also part performance. That was a synthesis of a lot of um, thoughts about kind of authorship, narrative, and power, and identity, and our inherent role as myth makers, as we are technologists. Uh, it was amazing... Uh, to have you were, were a lot of people really bummed that you couldn't be there in person. Um, but that's kind of where we are with this sort of virtual plus in person as that goes. Uh, how do you feel the talk went? What was, what was your experience? Yeah, it was really exciting. I know it could have definitely been a lot better in person, but thank you everyone for listening in to my remote talk. Um, but I thought that it was really fun opportunity to like set the stage for all the talks to come. Um, I think part of envisioning the future of computing um, is about thinking about it at all layers, not that not in just the technologies themselves, but kind of the polit- political, cultural, and social implications of it. Um, and I don't think there's often space in many other tech conferences. You kind of like tread on these areas, but then Coastal Islands 
opened with my session and before mine was also Jasmine's talk, which was also very like practice oriented, but like speculative talk about what kind of infrastructures and structures could kind of support the work. So it was pretty fun laying the groundwork um, and everything. The discussions that happened afterwards were really inspiring and generative. And I didn't honestly expect the reception to be so positive to such like a weird artsy talk, but I'm really happy that it went well. Thank you for having me again. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, let's. We let's love we get... love the weird and artsy weird and artsy talks are like totally <laughs> cause violence. Uh, yeah, let's get it for the record. I think you and Jasmine uh, kicking things off at the beginning as the first scheduled talks really did a good job of of basically for everyone going like, oh wait, this is maybe not going to be a usual conference. So uh, yeah, thank you for preparing that and presenting. That was fantastic. Um, well, if I could jump in for a second, I was please. sitting there in the audience in the front row and. I'm used to going to chat conferences and the first talk is usually a sponsored keynote, someone going up there talking about what they're working on. Maybe not an outright advertisement, but it usually kind of feels like one. And probably two or three minutes into both Tia and Jasmine's talk, I remember sitting there and being like, what the hell is this conference like? <laughs> I've seen some of the organization that you've all put into making it happen. And just through that entire opening block of talks by uh, you and Jasmine, again, like I was just kind of blown away and not sure what to expect for the rest of the week. So that was just a really cool way to start things. Awesome. Uh, Michael. And Zishan, maybe you want to be Michael's interlocutor as he first tells us who he is <laughs> and what he talked about. Uh, uh, well, I'll let Michael do his, his pitch yeah. of who he is first and what he talked about. But uh, maybe we can tell the story about, you know, how we, how uh, Michael Bernstein came to be a cop but yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Mike Bernstein. I am a uh, marketing and sales and otherwise like business strategy consultant for high tech startups, mostly companies that sell technology to other companies, but also um, but also uh, open source technology communities that are looking to uh, spread spread the word, uh, gain adoption, um, and uh, also consultancies and a number of other number of other things. And my basic story is that I started as a on the technical side of things as uh, an engineer and then an engineering manager, and then was the first hire at a at a startup. For, uh, as an engineer and ended up working in the marketing and sales and business operations side of things. And that was a long time ago now. Uh, and for the last seven-ish years, I've been working uh, with another partner uh, to help companies communicate the value of their product to their core audience in, in the most effective way possible. Um, the way that I got connected with this community is yeah through through the New York City uh, tech world and maybe Zishan can speak to that a little bit if he wants. But <laughs> I'm excited to be here and uh, it was definitely cool to be you know I, I, similarly you know uh, I like to be the odd one out, the one who's talking about something a little bit different than everyone else is talking about. And uh, oftentimes 
I'm the weird artsy one in the room, but this time I was uh, talking a little bit more straightforward business and uh, that was an interesting experience. Yeah, uh, actually, Michael, I wanted to get to that. Um, in particular, you were talking about, you know, obviously in the title of your talk and the kind of gist of your talk, you're using kind of, you know, hardest problem kind of motifs, which are motifs in computer science talks a lot of the time, right? But toward toward marketing, as you mentioned, obviously, you have a long, extensive background playing in music. And uh, and obviously, we've known each other, I think, you know, probably have been to like the ITP MYU, like Media Lab events, or, you know, like, uh, what, you know, what we did in the past. But how, like, how, how do you, t being a, being like kind of a trained artist, how do you give a talk like the one you gave, or how do you use what you know from art into, uh, into uh, you know, a talk what you gave about marketing and, and, and the business side of things? Yeah, I think it's a challenge in a lot of ways. Um, you know, at this point in my life, uh, I'm in my 40s, I have a couple kids, I've had a couple different kinds of careers. So I've, I've more or less internalized the idea that, you know, none, none of us are really just one person with, you know, one purpose and one set of interests. So I take pleasure in being able to put on different hats in, in different scenarios. And I guess to answer the question more specifically, I had a, I had a relatively clear idea of something that I wanted to communicate. And I saw it as a challenge to be able to break that down into its constituent parts for an audience of people who are interested in you know, far-reaching or, or, you know, futuristic technology in a number of ways and probably have the experience of frustration of not being able to communicate, communicate clearly about the goals of those things with people who aren't kind of on their level, as it were. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's not up to me to decide whether or not I did a good job with that, but that was sort of the goal and the approach that I took. Cool. Yeah, dope. Uh... Yeah, and for those uh, on the call, Michael uh, gave the first ever uh, Papers We Love, any any form of Papers We Love that was in public, I guess, talk with the uh, the Unified Theory of Garbage Collection, the David Bacon paper, uh, many years ago now. I can't even remember uh, the year. But uh, but anyway, that's also the claim to fame. He gave two, P two PWL talks, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, Michael, good I times. think... Good times. I, I think... Um... Uh, I think it was a super practical toolkit. I think one of the things in there that I was thinking about was, uh, and some of the things that we're kind of trying to do with causal islands and future of computing is, I'd say movement building, because in part, it's really hard to educate first and then sell. And so I think it's kind of a long game to promote that there are um, different, maybe heretical ways of doing things. Um, what do you think about the pre-getting people to buy something era of a technology or a movement? What do I, what do I think about it in, in what way? How do you situate, like, like, how do you normalize, like, hey, this is a new thing. But it's okay. Um, you can totally buy it now. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, that's a good question. There are a number of approaches there. I think that historically one approach that has worked pretty well for people is to is to, first of all, acknowledge that, right, and not try to pretend that you're something that you're not and look at your newness and probably relative smallness and nimbleness um, as a set of advantages that you can use uh, to uh, move quickly to adapt to changes in the market or what people want or new technologies um, or to work really closely with people in ways that aren't necessarily scalable because you don't really have everything all operationalized yet and treat everything as a, as a learning opportunity and be straightforward with people that that's really what you're really curious, what you need the most from people at this point is feedback about whether or not your, your product or your, you know, your platform or your toolkit or whatever you're, you're creating solves the problem that you're intending it to solve. Optimizing for feedback. Um, and maybe that classic do things that don't scale. Uh, uh, that phrase about operationalizing is interesting. Um, but maybe we'll come back to that uh, in a bit. Uh, sure. Quinn. Boris. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm Quinn. I'm an applied researcher at Vision. Uh, I work with uh, Boris and Zishan at quite a bit with Zishan actually, but a lot of my time has been spent building a uh, decentralized database that I've been calling Rhizome. And my talk was kind of an inspiration into the philosophy underpinning Rhizome to try to motivate some of the design decisions there. Uh, so kind of like everyone else said, uh, theme for me is always being the weird one out at a conference. I'm often going up there and giving talks that are drawing pretty heavily on art and philosophy. And this time it was kind of trying to take a Deleuzian perspective on computer science to try to push this idea of really trying to prioritize like local first computing and individual computing over like large scale monolithic cloud apps that try to like globally collapse uh, context and understanding into one uh, kind of like least common denominator. So uh, that was kind of the high level uh, idea behind the talk. And I think everything uh, Michael was saying right now uh, really ties into what my goals were here because this isn't usually how people think about computing. And so before we can give them tools and uh, enable them to use those tools to build applications that fit into this other model that we're thinking about, we need to really help them understand why that way of thinking about computing is valuable and uh, why the sorts of trade-offs that come with building systems in that way uh, actually make a lot more sense than they may appear to at first glance because of the sort of implicit assumptions and biases that we're working with with the way that we design systems now. Uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, I was say it was an awesome talk, Quinn. And obviously, you know, we, we can maybe talk about. It. He kind of did variations, and then the Cosmo Island ones was really amazing. What I wanted to ask, and and it kind of gets to some points made earlier uh, by the other speakers, which is, I think you mentioned when you gave your talk how um, 
you know, obviously it's a deep, it's a deep explorative talk uh, with a lot of history and a lot of research. Um, but you were able to be very personable about it. You, I think you mentioned like you felt like you can be be very much yourself. I think that's a theme that people have said for Causal Islands as well. Um, can you maybe talk to that and how the the conference and this talk in particular, how you were able to kind of like, yeah, kind of do this deep dive and actually really express all the things you really wanted to express? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think there's a pretty obvious example um, just right off the bat, which is that I had most of the talk uh, written um, before I arrived in Toronto for the conference. But after seeing the first two days of talks and kind of realizing what uh, we were dealing with with this conference and how normalized a lot of the ideas that I was going to be talking about were, uh, things like uh, trying to push back against like colonial colonial narratives of computing and uh, bring in the way like technology and ideology go hand in hand and uh, that sort of thing. It made me a lot more comfortable kind of going back to the drawing board and spending uh, those first two-ish days of the conference kind of restructuring things so that I could bring in some of my own personal experiences into the talk instead of kind of talking about all this stuff at a more abstract high level. So uh, I'm trans, for example. Um, and that's something that has pretty fundamentally shaped the way that I engage with computing and with the internet. Uh, it's just a fact that for people like me and for other marginalized groups, whether that's on grounds of race or gender or religion or whatever, uh, cannot adequately be served by large systems or large social networks that try to do everything for everyone. So just kind of seeing the way everyone else was going up on stage and talking about the things that they were talking about uh, really made me comfortable bringing a lot of that in and just being open about some of those experiences and the things that are beautiful beautiful about the internet or that uh, that uh, we might need to be careful of as we continue like changing our relationship with technology through technology. Um, does that kind of answer your question? Uh, normally I go up there, I talk oh, about totally. a lot of research, I connect <laughs> ideas, but this time I just, I don't know, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about why I felt the way I did about some of this stuff. And being trans, I think, played a pretty big role in uh, the way I feel about technology and both how beneficial and how dangerous it can be, depending on how we use it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, as I, I think, mm. you know, people were able to be themselves, right, um, at this conference. Uh, you know, um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that. But I, I that that to me was like super inspiring uh, to to hear afterward. You know, uh, have you know having helped run it, right? So, thanks. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, where do you want to go next, Zishan? What, how, uh, do you, how, yeah. how do you feel we're, we're three months out um, yeah. and uh, you've got papers we love coming up, which I do want to talk about as well, in uh, Strange Loop and Train Jam. So uh, we'll see if we fit that in. Um, but maybe that's interesting to think about. Uh, let, let's hear from you how you feel about having put 
put this together from a from a content and programming perspective? Yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, it's always hard to put together a conference uh, for the first time, right? You, know, you and I, Boris, and 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 the program committee, Brooke and 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 Chad Fowler, like. You know, you know, there's people you know. Like it's it's easier to go for people you know, and then you know, how do you get other people, uh, right? How do you get other people who have never heard about this thing before? Uh, so I think for all intents and purposes, I, you know, that the, the actual lineup and the and everything that was set up, I I think was pretty damn amazing. And I think the thing that you know, um, I did not think about as much maybe going in, but kind of uh, started happening while putting together, you know, uh, curating the speakers and whatnot. And something that kind of, I, I'll, I'll kind of quote or semi-quote paraphrase what, uh, what Ramsey Nazareth said, because Ramsey, who I've known for a long time, who gave a great talk, you know, he, um, he's, a, you know, he, you know, we were talking about Strange Loop and, you know, obviously a great conference, very technical conference, but something like Causal Islands where we kind of, you know, the same thing to like, Michael and Quinn here and Chia, like, you know, this idea of what does the future of computing uh, look like, right? And that question, how important that question was. And so the thing that he told me was that, you know, um, he, he was going to do essentially a strange loop like talk, but when he actually thought about the question, you know, what is the future of programming, the thing that he, or computing, and what the thing that he said was, you know, he, to answer that question, it can't just it can't just be a talk about some programming language or some new library or UI or uh, you know computer human computer interface like those things are a part of it but um, to to answer that question he had to like be per, you know come from something that comes from himself right and I think that's uh, for me that's the thing that I got from that conference which is to me pretty unique for for most conferences that I've either obviously run I've been to a lot of them. I think having that kind of um, expression, to Quinn's point, um, uh, I don't know. That to me was really unique, and I think if, if uh, for anything that that the byproduct of you know of that uh, to me uh, equal equates to success. Uh, I just want to keep putting that group that we had up on stage together again, and like I said, I'm just. I have to figure out an in-person stage to get Chia onto again. Or not again, yeah. for the first yeah. time. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> We've got a comment thread here going as well. And uh, uh, I missed her in person at D-Web Camp that just happened a little while ago. That was uh, also a very different experience um, being in an outdoor setting in, uh, in California. Uh, that's the, uh, that's the opposite version of causal islands, casual islands. Don't worry. <laughs> I read, I registered casual islands.com just in case. Uh, there will speakers. be a moment to do, to do tents. <laughs> yeah. tents. Uh, point. uh, speak speakers other than your, your, uh, own talks and, and really you can chill your own talks as well. Um, other speakers or experiences, uh, at Causal Islands uh, that still got you uh, reflecting uh, three months later? So the thing I really liked about basically all the talks I saw there was, uh, I'm going to contrast this with what I usually see in talks where people kind of fall into two camps. Either they're like techno-solutionist utopians who go up there and think that technology can just solve everything, or they're 
sort of nihilistic in their viewpoint and think that technology is just exclusively something that can be applied for evil or for like capitalistic gain or capitalistic purposes. And I feel like everyone went up there with causal islands with a really like balanced perspective. Uh, they were talking about the ways in which technology has empowered so many people and also how it is being misused often to pretty horrible ends today. But uh, the way I felt leaving all of those talks was optimistic and inspired. Um, it seemed like even if it wasn't an entirely shared vision, there was just kind of a current running through everyone there of optimism for the future and of our ability to build a better word, world through technology, as long as we're really careful about understanding the implications of what we're doing. And it was just really cool to be in a group that that actually thought that we could do some good with what we're dedicating our lives to for most of us. Heavy. And yeah, uh, I mean, I think we had some people say, uh, is, this a, is this a political conference or a technical conference? And we're like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Michael Chia, do you want to chime in with, with some thoughts? Sure, yeah, I think it was, uh, for me, I didn't have a ton of context on the specific technologies in terms of decentralized computing and other things Fission was working on. So that was, and as someone who is always interested in what is next and what people are working on, that, that those things were interesting for me. So I was able to uh, learn, learn some stuff that way. Uh, I think that the, the computing as culture aspect of it appealed to me as well. I think it, it's always interesting. It's always, it's vital for people to be living their values through the work that they do. So that was, uh, that was cool to see as well. And yeah, I'm keeping track of what, what folks are working on and looking forward to seeing what, what comes out of it. Yeah, and something that I keep thinking about is how imagining the future of computing and these questions about decentralization in general can't just happen at the level of like infrastructure, data, or protocols. Um, it feels like that is just like the tech and software layer, but then in re in reality, to realize this future, there's so much that we have to work with at the layer of people, relationships, also governance, ownership, decision making, and those are like considerations that people um, often might miss out on when considering autonomous, pluriversal, and kind of like distributed worlds that we're all moving towards. So. A talk that I keep coming back to, it was John Corbett's um, Indigenous Computing Theory um, speech, which proposed this idea of like an indigenous computing framework. And in general, I've always been thinking about how kind of a myopic view of what technology actually constitutes often kind of like inhibits this imagining of computing futures when 
in reality, like expanding this definition of technology is kind of essential. And as Jean kind of like examined um, how indigenous groups work, like these cultures and traditions that have long been in practice for centuries um, before the rise of or the start of like the internet or anything have been in practice, we actually are learning so much from. Um, I think also about experiences like DWeb and experiences like looking towards like indigenous practices where that layer of people, relationships and governments actually has so much to draw from in terms of like learning from groups that might not be considered as technical necessarily. Um, DWeb had, for instance, a lot of representation from people who are working in co-ops or mutual aid organizations or we're in social justice groups, which in principle also apply many of the core like founding and like relational thought around what uh, kind of like decentralized and more autonomous and I guess like agentic um, technological future could be. Um, so it's really inspiring to look at a lot of these kind of like computing futures that's considered not just the software and hardware layer, but the layer of people. Yeah, uh, I was really moved by the little discussion and question we had around the end, um, where you know I was interested in what licensing he had chosen, um, and he kind of was thought that he might got that question, and then flipped to a sw slide that basically said, "Yeah, we don't really know. We think we need people to come talk to the elders because." your freaking copyright model does not apply to how we think about this. And, uh, and uh, uh, that sent me down a whole spiral of a, of a rabbit hole of kind of, you know, forehead slap, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, so much else like, um, Chia, I'm already looking forward to the transcript where I'm like, ah, oh, there's lots of good stuff that Chia said in there. Um, I think one of the things that I struggle with uh, Michael from a talking about new stuff. So we've got this high level title of future of computing. And then we've got these other shorthand floating around like D-Web or decentralization or Web3, all of which have like different good and bad perceptions attached to them, um, uh, which is kind of why we stuck with this future of computing um, as a very broad bucket. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one of the things I'd like to see, uh, in future editions, um, is hardware, uh, as well added to the thing. And I think we could totally, there were a lot of people that would have loved to have talked about governance. Uh, I think that's a whole other area, uh, one I'm personally interested in, um, that we could talk about, which then leads to all sorts of other things like, um, how do you make it so that people can actually use this stuff? Um, everything from, you know, what other magic deployment technologies do you have to learn? Or can you run it at home? Uh, or can you run it in a mix of commercial and non-commercial environments in, in, uh, in different areas? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Chia, that was really great pointing those things out. I think there's um, a bunch more threads that will 
will will pull on in uh, uh, in the future. Uh, yeah, talking about the future a little bit. Um, I think the uh, we're we're working on next year. Um, still very much in the planning uh, stage. Um, so we have kind of said that we don't want to keep it in the same place. Um, and um, that means looking around where in the world there might be some partners, some interesting spaces. Um, so uh, Chris Benson, who's, who's in the audience today, is doing a bunch of that work right now. We're having some discussions around um, uh, London in the UK. We've made some inquiries in New York City. Um, we're kind of thinking our our context for this has been a single flight from Western Europe or Eastern North America. Uh, any thoughts, speakers, on um, where in the world would be convenient, interesting, or appropriate for you all to to come join us if you uh, if you join us again next year. I'd personally be interested in joining just about everywhere, but I think that um, something that's worth considering and that's probably already on your mind is that most of so many of the tech conference nowadays are in places like California or New York or uh, just like big North American cities. And I think that is a really limiting factor for people's ability to attend them. So I would be really in favor of trying to get more people to visit some of the less common locales for conferences. Great feedback. Michael, do you want it in your backyard? <laughs> Yeah, it, this is kind of an expensive place, probably to, to do it. I'd rather, I'd rather um, probably get off the beaten path a little bit. Um, I always. What, what were your criteria? A single flight, a single flight from Europe, and where? What else? Uh, basically, uh, 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 acknowledging that it's really far from, um, it's from let's say west to get to the west coast for Europeans, as one example. So, sticking with something that's a direct flight uh, from uh, Western Europe or uh, kind of Eastern Seaboard is uh, is what we had been thinking about. Uh, willing to throw out that criteria, but that's what we started with. So, well, as an I think example, that's smart. I think that's smart. You know. Yeah, there's there's a big uh, international airport here, so that is there's yeah. That. As an example, um, I really love Berlin, um, but it's usually one more connecting flight. Um, you know, if you're getting on a, on an international flight anyway, maybe not a big deal. Uh, so we're not even necessarily going to hold ourselves to that. Um, but it's it it had been a starting point that we that we thought about. Uh, I think that was more like let's not make it where you're transferring uh you know multiple times and then going on a seven hour train ride to get to the location i think that's also an interesting experience um and i think quinn's point about 
you know, taking people from elsewhere and exposing them to smaller cities is also super interesting, but not quite the camp experience. Although, at the same time, Chia, when I saw you apply and present, I'm like, should we do one in the Philippines? What do you think? That sounds fun, but I don't know if the <laughs> infrastructure supports it. But I will say uh, it's always interesting, I think, to consider hosting events and discussions like these in places that definitely feel like they aren't the center of like technical, technological innovation or discourse at all. Um, I mean, so much of my work is definitely concerned with how like stagnated these can these conversations are at home and how there needs to be more like spaces for like-minded people to come together and um as quinn mentioned i think about how like california is like filled with tech conferences and whatnot but it is at while even while being at the heart of like silicon valley near all these tech companies it doesn't feel like these conversations are kind of like moving out of this space it's always nice to consider um like how the area where in which we are situated and how these conversations can like move outwards and be more practice or be more applicable and practice oriented um to like the locale yeah that's basically uh, my uh thought too like if so many of our conversations are about shifting technology towards prioritizing like regular people instead of uh, everyone who's already working at big tech companies, then maybe we should also consider using, like targeting our conferences at people who uh, aren't already embedded within the ecosystems that support them attending them. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that that uh, behooves um, some of the uh, speakers or participants who we enjoin to come uh, also to um, think about what it means in the context of the place that we're in. Um, so, yeah, some interesting themes there to think about. And I'm, 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 I'm kind of sort of hearing some votes for uh, some spaces that are a little further out there. So, all, uh, all really good, good, uh, good feedback. Um, I think one of the big things uh, for those listening, perhaps later, is uh, we're looking for uh, partners in the places that we're going to, um, and uh, you know what we are always going to strive to do is look for things like um, local connections, local experiences, uh, local production. Um, so. Typically, um, that's something that, that, you know, is work for us, but ideally we leave behind a base of connections that can grow over time. Um, so even though we won't do an in-person in Toronto, might we leave behind a remote watch party? Um, I think the hybrid stuff, we, was very basic, uh, we, uh, uh this year. Uh, and uh, that's definitely an area for improvement. Um, I yeah, pick I, up I was gonna say. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I, I would like to hear, and, and maybe you know, we don't have time for it. But how you know people's thoughts toward hybrid events? Uh, you know, I've worked in the space for a while, and you know, academia 
has tried obviously to accommodate because you have people from universities all around the world, um, different time zones, and yet it's all been kind of difficult <laughs> to say the least. So uh, if, you know, it'd be great to hear people's thoughts on that, because, you know, um, uh, you know, watch parties and stuff are a thing, um, but they tend to also be around big cities anyway, multiple big cities, stuff like that. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to kind of hear if people have thoughts, like what or good examples of what makes up good hybrid uh, conferences. Or maybe that's the thing. Maybe hybrid conferences are, in fact, uh, can we do them at all? Yeah, you know, I think that's the hard question. You know, I mean, a lot of people told me for Causal Islands in particular, like, uh, you know, uh, obviously with, with COVID and people not traveling to come to a conference like that, that to, to I think Quinn's point, other people's points, like that have kind of a shared collective. It uh, was really great to be in person because it does kind of inspire that. Um, I think the hard part with the hybrid conferences is how to get that same kind of energy uh, and motivation, um, you know, uh, and to not have to pay crazy amounts of money to do it. Um, I've had some wild thoughts to do something much like uh, old days, Nam Jun Paik, who's, a, uh, who's an artist, and <laughs> had some really interesting ideas about how to, like, do things, you know, um, in, in different places. But, you know, uh, to do that at a, at, at, at a scale, um, you know, he, he did it as art pieces, but to do it at scale would actually probably cost way too much, so there's also that. Michael Quinchia, any uh, experiences on hybrid that uh, ha you've seen work really well in the past or that you wish that uh, Causal Islands might, in might have included? Yeah, I mean, so, I go, go ahead, go ahead Michael. Yeah. I was just going to say really quickly that I think the tr the real hybrid is realizing that most people's exposure to most of what goes on at a conference is going to take place after the conference. And that's why we put so much effort into producing high quality video, micing people up, doing all of those things. So maybe focusing on on that and 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 engaging the community after the conference can is potentially a, a a way with a better return on investment in terms of looking at a hybrid experience. But obviously, we need to get better at at doing it the the, the more traditional way because it's going to become more and more of a necessity. Yeah. I I always think of everything in terms of distributed systems. And to me, like Causal Islands as a hybrid conference looks more like a CRDT where we like split off, diverge, do all of our own computation, then come back together and combine it all into like a larger shared experience. And so I kind of want to turn the question back around on Zishan because of uh, his experience with Papers We Love, which I know had a really rich culture of kind of splitting off into local chapters all throughout the world and then uh, meeting up uh, again in larger events like the uh, Papers We Love's Change Loop uh, conference every year and so on? Yeah, I mean, um, the way we always 
called the chapters. And of course, you know, a lot of the chapters uh, kind of went away with the hit when COVID happened, right? Because people were not doing those local meetups. Um, and also meetup.com, uh, <laughs> you know, changed a lot too. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, the thing was even with the meetups and stuff, and though some of them are really great, you know, uh, I always kind of called them the very, very something akin. So it's very American of me to say this, but like the Articles of Confederation, right? Like there is this, I mean, to your point, CRDTs, right? There's very loose fabric uh, that, that kind of continues going and diverges and gets back. But, and, that, and that's how, you know, we always kind of treated it, uh, unless there were like any major things we tried to deal with. Um, but uh, no, you know, it was really awesome that that, kind of happened, uh, you know, um, that people were willing to do that. It was also a different time. Like, I don't know what localized meetups and stuff are uh, anymore, you know, kind of in this current era, uh, let alone can you get sponsored money? You know, I, I think a big thing for Papers We Love chapters was there was kind of a fervor for, for companies to get involved and be like, yeah, we'll host it and give you pizza and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I think that's a question too. Um, but yeah, it, it it is doable. The thing is, I would say the conference was always like different than the than the meetups, right? Like they had their own vibe. Uh, the conference definitely was a certain kind of vibe to kind of link together and be a, more thematic uh, versus like the uh, hey, uh, let's go through a paper I really like, um, which is what the the meetups were more for. So they were always different. Uh, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know, you know, I, I can't even explain how it kind of uh, got, it, it kind of had its moment uh, when people were kind of doing that with other meetups and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know what that culture is like anymore today for, for other kinds of things. So it's a good question. Yeah, uh, just uh, clicking around in the comments and uh, finding a Brasilia chapter, but uh, seeing that the last event was in 2020. Um, yeah. Yeah, we probably only have like seven, maybe a few chapters. I think Seattle, a couple small, a couple chapters keep going. Um, you know, at the most, I think we had at one point it was like 30, 30 simultaneous, you know, at some, at some degree, but yeah. Good prompt from Becky. Um, so uh, let's, we, we'd love to hear from our speakers about uh, what you're working on now and next um or really anything that you want to uh shill and promote and say definitely go check out x uh uh chia let's start with you yeah currently um for my art practice i'm undergoing this residency with the museum of human achievement based in texas it's a remote residency called welcome to my homepage where i'm kind of like engaging in the question of if the website is a world, then how will we attend to it as we do land? So it's obviously very inspired by kind of like thinking about land as technology, um, situated technologies and local technologies, and also just like perhaps like indigenous like technological principles where our relations to technology are kind of grounded on respect, culture, and relationship with land, um, and what that might mean when you connect it to like threads of cyber feminist thought that have posited the ideas of like trans feminist servers and decentralization for the past few decades like since the 90s um in terms of 
my organizing work back in the Philippines. Um, at the start of the year, I started working on the Philippine Internet Archive, which is kind of just exploring and documenting um, Filipino internet and networking culture from internet pioneers, but also like the story of infrastructure um, and who builds and maintains the servers. So questioning like labor and maintenance and whatnot. And we're also putting up a series of kind of exhibitions that are commissioning browser-born and new media work about these topics, um, thinking about engaging with more artistic interventions to facilitate more dialogue about um, being extremely online and internet identities and whatnot. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I just... Uh, I'm clearly not keeping up with uh, with with Chia. We'll we'll include links to all of these things in the show notes, so that you can check this out. Uh, Michael, now and next, and or anything cool that you want to promote? Yeah, uh, it's summertime, so things are a little bit slow. But uh, working with some interesting clients. Uh, in my in my day job, uh, playing around with you know various uh, various things relating to uh, AI vector database, uh, fact recall, um, safe AI uh, attribution, things like that. I have some some ideas in in that space that I'm interested to want to want to be able to understand better and. Yeah, always, always got a million other things going on on the side, but that that's essentially what's pertinent uh, to to this audience. But anyone that is interested in chatting about any anything relating to, uh, you know, what I what I spend my time doing um, with computers, please feel free to reach out. Always happy to chat. Amazing, thank you, Quinn. Yeah, so uh, at work, I'm obviously still working on uh, Rhizome, the database I mentioned earlier. But in my free time, I've been basically trying to as much as possible embody my philosophy of trying to build like small, fun projects that as much as possible uh, are entirely built out of components that I've made myself. I uh, started with the goal of better understanding what it's like to build like simple, like locally useful software that is specifically designed for my needs with kind of no regard for anyone else's. Um, and so as part of that, I'm actually going to be giving a talk in Berlin in about two months called the Tamagotchi in my hands, anarcho-transhumanism with nerves, where I've got a computer chip in my hand and using uh, my own drivers for uh, different chips and hardware and my own compiler and uh, implementations of various other like partial protocols and specs. I'm gonna try to load a Tamagotchi onto my hand, uh, basically run like Bonsai Buddy or Microsoft Clippy uh, off of the chip uh, using all of my own code, kind of like top to bottom uh, as kind of an inspiration in expanding my own agency by developing enough skills to kind of do whatever I want from scratch, as long as it is for my own needs rather than 
uh, something like really large scale that needs to be perfectly robust and available. And that'll be at uh, Codebeam Europe in uh, Berlin in October. Amazing. Um, I will never not take the opportunity to mention a Bruce Schneier uh, snippet that I'll uh, link to later, which is um, uh, gothic high-tech uh, versus uh, uh, favela chic, which basically talks about uh, those two extremes that you talked about. Very close at hand, uh, made out of local components versus uh, something that uh, is uh, perhaps much more constrained, constrained and global, which uh, each of which have issues. Um, amazing. Uh, Zishan, papers we love, Strange Loop coming up in September. Yeah, um, I mean we're uh, this year is the last Strange Loop. Uh, actually, Brooklyn uh, from Fission, our CTO, uh, who gave a great talk at Kaizo Island, is essentially um, giving a, a variant of that talk at Strange Loop uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, we have a this year. Uh, there's no pre-comp of any sort. Where there's a PWL track. So essentially, um, you know, Alex Miller, who runs Strange Loop, uh, was very nice, you know, was like, we're not going to have a separate conference, but hey, let's let's get the PWL people to curate a whole track of eight speakers. Um, and so we we have, I think, uh, seven of them are listed, or uh, six of them all. I'm still getting stuff from them all. Uh, but we have a bunch of speakers on there, uh, also on the PWL comp site, a link. Um and yeah, so it'll be a whole track. It's the last Strange Loop. I think it'll be a last hurrah for a lot of things. You know, Strange Loop did fill a lot of that conference void and obviously, you know, brought people together in uh, across technologies, variety of stuff, research. It got me into, you know, academic uh, kind of things and papers and stuff that I did not know about when I first went in 2012. So, uh, you know, if you can, there's still tickets. So if you if you can make it to St. Louis, it's the last one. It's probably worth coming if, uh, if, you, if people are willing to travel and stuff. That should be pretty awesome. Uh, do you want to talk about Train Jam? Uh, <laughs> people, how people are getting there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll mention it briefly. So uh, I uh, helped organize uh, Train Jam. Uh, I think I think we're fu officially full now. We've got eighteen people who are going from uh, Seattle to St. Louis uh, over uh, three nights on the Empire uh, Amtrak train. Um, and it's an interesting collection of folks, uh, a lot of local for software. Um, I've never taken a train in the U.S. Uh, for this length. I've done, you know, Vancouver, Seattle. Um, and uh, so I think that's going to be super interesting, and I'm stoked to go to Strange Loop. Uh, there's also a local first software on conference that uh, uh, we're organizing really uh, with uh, Martin Kleppman and Ink and Switch. And so that's the day after Strange Loop. Um, that's the Saturday. Uh, we'll get those links in there as well. Um, so if anyone is within spitting distance of St. Louis, whether for Strange Loop or whether it's just for that weekend event, uh, come join, because I think that's going to be really great. Um, and we'll try and do lots of those things uh, hybrid in the way that, that those folks are going to be following along remotely uh, uh, as well. Uh, amazing. Uh, thank you, Michael, Chi, and Quinn for showing up. I think uh, we'll call that a wrap for the first time. Um, 
very much an experiment, uh, as always. Uh, if you all have ideas for future topics, this is a space that we can host. We'll try and do one at least monthly. Um, but I know I've got folks already who want to get together and jam on some things. So we'll, uh, uh, you know, uh, pretty easy to just come in and say, let's take this live. So we're not stuck in like Twitter spaces or uh, spaces that are for acts less comfortable these days. Thanks all. Thank Thanks you. For hosting us. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.